you know, we can have our opinions, but we all can't have our own facts. And, and there's only one set of facts that are real. And when you look at uh, when you look at statistics and so on, there's no other way to look at it, no other way to look at our people than to understand we are a minority of the minorities. And so was the Jewish people. They've always been just the, the, the bottom of the barrel. And uh, that makes their existence, just like it makes Native America's existence, so remarkable. We're still here. We were almost wiped out. Welcome to Indigenous Faith with Craig and LaDonna Smith. For the next 30 minutes, we invite you to join Craig and LaDonna as they open God's Word and help Indigenous followers of Jesus Christ learn how to live a biblically healthy life in the context of their culture and tribal traditions. Craig is a member of the White Earth Band of Ojibwe Indians from northern Minnesota and is an author, public speaker, and gospel singer. LaDonna is from the Navajo Nation from the American Southwest. She is also a gifted singer and writer and a deeply committed student of God's Word. Together, they have served Christ for over four decades in a ministry that has taken them to indigenous people all across North America and to a dozen countries around the world. Once again, thank you for joining us today for this week's edition of Indigenous Faith. And now, get ready to take a journey with Craig and LaDonna into God's Word to see what he has to say about living out an indigenous faith that helps us all live lives that please him and gives us power for victorious Christian living. Uh, Ed Jarrett says this, Circumcision is mentioned frequently in the Bible. It was at the heart of the covenant that God established with Abram and his descendants. And it's at the center of one of the first controversies of the new church in the New Testament. And he asks a question, what is circumcision? So, um, okay, this is Ed Jarrett's words. I'm quoting from him, not myself, okay? Circumcision is a minor medical procedure performed on males, often as infants, but sometimes, and this brings me to tears, as teens or older. Ooh, ouch. ouch. Yeah, I, we said that at the same time. Ouch. In fact, uh, I, I have a picture that came up when I Googled this, and, and uh, there's a picture of a young boy about, size, about the age of our grandson, Colin, right now, who's mm. about eight years old. He's got a Bible in his hand. He has a strange look on his face as he's reading no. Scripture. And all of a sudden, he comes across this, and he's looking like, what? Ooh. But anyway, medically speaking, circumcision involves removing the foreskin of the penis. Now, it's controversial in the Western world today, but it has been practiced by many people throughout history and around the world. Now, the reasons for this practice vary. Sometimes it's viewed as a rite of passage or a coming of age. Uh, I saw a documentary on TV recently that described that, and it was a teenage boy that was being circumcised. And uh, that was a big celebration event uh, that that, uh, that went on a big party, <laughs> except for him. I'm sure he wasn't... Uh, you know, the most happy person at the party. But anyway, other times it may be done for medical reasons, although that's sometimes a bit controversial today. But for some, like uh, what we're talking about today, it has religious significance. And the Bible has this to say about circumcision. For the Jewish people, circumcision was more than a rite of passage. For them, listen to this now, it was a sign of their covenant with God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Circumcision marked them as the chosen people, God's special treasure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Circumcision marked a covenant that was established with Abraham. Shortly before Isaac was born, God directed Abraham to circumcise all the males of his household, including himself, 
Ishmael, which was a son he had by a, a, a maid, not it wasn't his wife Sarah. And from Ishmael came all the Arab peoples of the world mm-hmm. and his servants. Now, this was to be an ongoing practice. Every male born into his family was to be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. And the doctors tell us, medical professionals tell us that on the eighth day, the, the growth and development of the, the infant is such that it is the perfect time to perform this, uh, this uh, medically, uh, this circumcision practice. If, somebody, if a child is going to be circumcised, that's the time to do it, uh, the best time. Because so. <clears throat> it has health benefits too. Yeah, yeah. Because of the the blood clotting, I guess at that time, so that um, you know it would heal better. At and and day eight, it's was, still making me queasy as we're <laughs> well, talking about it. But but you know what? Even those things matter. Yeah, you know, a yeah. whole body, soul, and spirit. I mean, that matters. God specifically God told him on the eighth day. Yeah, oh he yeah. Did, yeah, he was he was so watching. He, he knows out. best. Uh, during their hundreds and hundreds of years stay in Egypt as slaves, the Jews became deeply immersed in Egyptian culture and religious practice. We see that in, in uh, uh, Joshua 24 and verse 14. Uh, it tells us that. And along with that, the practice of circumcision probably fell by the wayside, LaDonna. But the practice was renewed on the banks of the Jordan shortly after Israel crossed the river uh, but before beginning the conquest of Canaan, we see that as recorded in uh, Joshua 5, verses 2 through 9. I want to read that because I think it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Remember, God instituted circumcision mm-hmm. as an identifying mark of the covenant that he made with Israel, with the children of Israel, the Jewish people. It fell away in the 400-some years of, of, mm-hmm. of uh, captivity in Egypt. They got uh, misdirected into other things, and they didn't do it anymore, but the Lord renewed this. We see in Joshua chapter um, five, chapter 5, yeah, mm-hmm. Joshua 5, verse 2, it says this, At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Haraloth. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until Mm -hmm. all the men who were military age when they left Egypt had died, Mm -hmm. since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. Look at this in verse 8. After the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where, where they were in the camp until they were healed up. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place had been called Gilgal to this day. So you see, throughout the remainder of the Old Testament, you'll frequently see the division between the circumcised and the uncircumcised. This is essentially the division between the covenant people and outsiders, or between Jew and Gentile. Mm -hmm. During the 400-year-long intertestamental time, Greek culture dominated the eastern Mediterranean region. Greeks were opposed to circumcision, and during this time when Israel was dominated by Greek kingdoms, circumcision was actually outlawed and punishable by death. Whoa. 
Now, this played into their ultimate rebellion under the Maccabees and a period of freedom before the Romans came. And I suspect it may have had impact, impacted the ferocity with which some Jewish Christians defended the practice during the formation of the early church. There were some that said, listen, you guys, are your, your people are teaching false because they're saying you don't have to be circumcised mm-hmm. as a, a believer. You know, the, they were mm-hmm. expecting the Gentiles to be circumcised, following the Jewish traditions of uh, as a part of Christian faith. Well, you know, there was all these kind of crazy things that went on historically. But so for our new believers in Christ who may be learning indigenous faith, uh, living a healthy life, uh, you begin reali- reading these passages. Uh, we, I, I just thought it was helpful, as awkward as it is to talk about it, to introduce this concept. Because well, I think a lot of people wonder even about the word, you know, mm-hmm. and where it came from. I think this is very applicable and it's biblical. Yeah, so that's, uh, uh, that's a little bit of what we see here as we, um, uh, as we look at the, the terminology. Uh, the Bible identifies, through, uh, the framework is Jews and Gentiles. And uh, as we go into the New Testament, uh, we see that when they began to present, preach the gospel, these were Jewish believers originally, the disciples, the followers of Christ, because again, Jewish, uh, Jesus was raised in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish world, in, 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 in the Jewish homeland there. And so he was surrounded by Jewish people, and, and he called uh, Jewish followers to uh, become the disciples and eventually the apostles, and, and the church was beginning to be established. But then it wasn't until the book of Acts when uh, the Bible says they were preaching to none but the Jews only. So they were keeping the message of the gospel just among themselves. So when people say it's a white man's religion, no, it was a Jewish. It has its roots in Judaism. It has its roots in among the Jewish people. Christ in his humanity was Jewish. And then the rest of the world is is all lumped together in that terminology, the Gentile world, or the circumcision and the uncircumcision. Mm-hmm. So when we're reading, like what you just read, LaDonna, in mm-hmm. Ephesians 2.11, uh, that uh, verse 11 that says, remember formerly you were called Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised. That's what that's what this historical mm-hmm. thing is all about. And I, I felt it'd be important to just clarify that because that's an important part mm-hmm. of our faith, getting to know and understand that. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to have a good, biblically healthy indigenous faith, you've got to see life from that perspective. Now begin to see as you read the scriptures, as you grow in the Lord, uh, because you're often going to see where, uh, like Paul says in some of his writings, now I'm speaking to you Gentiles, like he wrote to the Romans. I'm spe- mm-hmm. He's singling out the Gentile world. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all of us he's addressing there. He was Jewish, and yet uh, he was a Roman citizen. So he kind of had one foot in the Roman world, one foot in the in the Jewish world. And, and he talks about that in a powerful passage we're going to look at one day. We get to it. I don't know when we'll get to it, but it's a powerful passage that is formulative for our indigenous faith. And you'll, when we get to it, uh, I'll make sure you really know this is one you really got to listen to because it is powerful what he has to say that helps establish how we are to claim Christ and uh, have our identity and significance in him. Not a cultural identity, but a identity in the person of Christ. Mm-hmm. If we're going to live a victorious Christian life, it's amazing scriptures that, that God has given to us to follow. So um, that's the amazing story of mankind is outlined in God's holy word. Um, as we've looked at this, uh, the Jewish people, the Gentile word, 
uh, world, and we've commented on Ed Jarrett's commentary on circumcised and uncircumcised. There's there there's several other passages of Scripture that done, and I think mm-hmm. that are helpful to provide a good solid basis for us to see our biblically based faith in Christ be just that biblically, not mm-hmm. culturally based. It has to be a biblically based faith. So let's take and a look Craig, at these. Intro- go ahead, honey. You know, I'm, you know why. Uh, those two words, biblically versus cultural, because cultures change. <clears throat> That's right. You know what? I mean, oh, yeah. the Bible never does. It stays the same. It's been around for a whole long time. I mean, it's it's established. It, it Not one word is going to pass away until mm. everything is fulfilled. But cultures change. I, I even think about that. Uh, like, I remember when we first moved down to the Four Corners area, that... Um, a lot of the the Navajo people would say, "Well, that's not Navajo," mm-hmm. you know. And of course, we I was raised among the Ojibwe and mm-hmm. the, the Sioux, and th- they kind of would separate their mm-hmm. tribes. Like, well, that's that tribe over there; they do that, right. but we do this. Right. But now, when you look, you can see how a lot of the cultures are changing. It's like as if that was always always a part of their culture. It's ever changing. This is why yeah. it's important that we base our trust and our faith in the Lord biblically and not culturally. Because it never changes. The Bible never, the Bible changes. never changes. Amen. You know, you, you, you see, that's true. Uh, just to comment, one more thought on that uh, changing culture. There might be some who are listening that say, well, that's not true. You know, our traditions have remained this. But you, re- in reality, you look at it, uh, you know, I see things in our Ojibwe culture that really don't have its roots in Ojibwe culture, mm-hmm. in in our his, historical way of doing things. There's there they've been embraced and uh, adapted from the Plains Indians, you know. And 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 there's uh, there's kind of this. I've heard the term expressed a pan Indian culture, mm-hmm. where some people who are don't know their tr- uh, true uh, cultural backgrounds and so on grab things from various tribes and make it their own, and they call it, now, that, well, that's Indian culture. That's our culture. Mm-hmm. Well, it, no, it really wasn't because it, it came from another tribe. Even though it was tribal, mm-hmm. it came from another tribe. And and uh, can we really truly say that that is truly our cultural roots, our cultural history, if, if it's just been in the last, say, 100 years that we've been doing a certain practice or so on that has its roots and origins in another human culture? Mm-hmm. But the word of God, as Amen. we said, faith once and yes. for all delivered unto the saints. Amen. So, uh, LaDonna, I think it would be great to look at another passage of Scripture that the great Apostle Paul, who wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, uh, wrote in, when he wrote uh, to the church at Rome. Uh, LaDonna, there's... Uh, uh, and in, these are the introductory words that Paul wrote in his letter to the church at Rome. Read the first six verses of chapter 1, would you? Okay, from uh, Romans 1, 1 to 6, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who, as to his earthly life, was a descendant of David, who through the Spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. 
and you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Craig, as I read these verses, several things jump out to me as as it relates to the native versus white, which is trumped by the Jewish versus Gentile framework by which we need to understand the Bible and our faith in Christ. First, Paul identifies himself as a servant of Mm -hmm. Christ Jesus. How amazing is that when before he came to Christ, he was having Christians arrested, jailed, and even martyred for their faith in Christ. He hounded them. He sure did. And now he identifies himself. He was a terrorist. <laughs> and now he Terrorizing identifies the Christians. himself as one of Christ's servants. Wow. It speaks to me of the remarkable transformation a person can experience when their faith mm-hmm. is put in Christ alone. I also see that Paul says that he was not only called, but he was set apart for the gospel of God. This reminds me a lot of our recent podcast on the doctrine of sanctification, which literally means to be set apart for Mm -hmm. something. In this case, the gospel of God. There's nothing more important to be set apart for, right? That's right. What a tremendous privilege it is to serve God in this life. I trust this will be a helpful reminder to all those pastors, missionaries, teachers, and leaders who often get discouraged by the challenges of ministry today. We've been there, Craig. Yes. We know that. And we even know that, uh, you know, in recent days, too, we just keep on going. Well, you know, as folks are listening to our voices, you know, maybe our voices sound strong. <laughs> but and and I thank God for the strength that is in our voices. But uh, uh, the rest of our bodies are definitely um, uh, have taken quite a hit over the past, especially twelve and a half years since uh, the date of this podcast. We've uh, we've gone through a whole lot. Uh, people don't. Some people may not know we were in a horrific auto accident uh, in uh, two, uh, summer of two thousand nine, where both of us should have died. There's no reason. There's no human reason we should even be alive today. And uh, in fact, I died in the emergency room in Santa Fe, New Mexico, uh, passed through death's door, uh, only to be revived and brought back to life. And, you know, I clung to life for almost two months in a coma, my family not knowing from day day to day whether this would be the day that dad would die, you know. And uh, and then since then, it was, it's been a brutal Difficult uh, recovery process, uh, going uh, right from through death's door to finally coming out of a coma and having 15 major surgeries done already in my body I knew nothing about, and and then a long, arduous healing process of getting into physical therapy and and more surgeries, and you know I've had 44 procedures. At that point, at this point, you know, mm-hmm. since then, Ladonna, you've been there with me mm-hmm. through them all. Mm-hmm. You know how difficult it's been. I, I, well, they call it the new normal, right? Yeah, definitely new. New but, normal, uh, new Every abnormal we, normal. <laughs> we we uh, get up yeah. to a new normal. Go but to dear, you know, you're. I, I look across the table as I'm looking at you. I, you know, you're sitting there smiling at me and and <laughs> and uh, with your headphones on, looking just cute. You know, but well, you I, know, if I, can, I, I can testify to what. You know what God has done yeah. in you to mm. and through you through this really yeah. really these lo- these rough chapters yeah. especially that one and it's been through our suffering. Well, let me finish my thought on you because some people may not know this, but you had the worst kind of neck fracture that 
uh, at the accident that uh, n- nobody survived. 95% instant death, the doctors told us. So for you to have been able to survive that is a miracle in and of itself. And you're walking. You're, you're, you're not confined to a wheelchair like I am right now. Uh, and, and though God was so gracious to you, LaDonna, and he was to me too, uh, we still continue today to live with uh, ongoing mm-hmm. effects of that. Yeah. And yet, uh, you know, we believe God has called us to do these things. God has called us to continue to share our faith. You know, our bodies don't work well, but our mouths do. And praise God, there wasn't an awful lot of damage from the neck up, mm-hmm. at least where your break was up. I mean, what I'm saying is our mm-hmm. our brains weren't involved in, in severe damage in the accident. And uh, he's kept us in a, a fairly good men- mental status and so on. But we share these perspectives from a position of, of suffering, pain and suffering. And, you know, when uh, uh, Paul identified himself as a servant of Christ, we understand what that is. Uh, he, was not, he was Christ's servant. He was a persecutor of the church before he became a preacher to the church. And uh, it's remarkable to see this. And uh, he was set apart, he says. You know, LaDonna, you and I know what it is to be set apart. And and even though we continue to function with limited physical abilities, we still are set apart for the gospel. And, and we still have opportunity with our mouths that still work to testify of the goodness of God in, in this life. And so... Yeah, I, I I like what you're saying here. It 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 is helpful for listeners, I hope, to understand a bit about our own calling and how God has set us apart for His service, and we do so in light of these great challenges. But I think I think there's a lot more to this passage than what just just these things, right? You you see some more stuff here, right? Yeah, I also see in this passage great clarity on the uniqueness of Christ. You know, his humanity and divinity. We, you know, we just talked about that, didn't we? Mm-hmm. He, he was human, 100% human. He was 100% God. That that Paul reiterates that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Amen. that's wonderful. Amen. And I also see a very important truth that we can't miss, Greg. When we look at this passage, the truth is God called Paul specifically to be a missionary to the Gentile world. Hmm. Yep. And there are people around our native communities across North America today who have the same calling. A lot of them are are out there faithfully serving the Lord. You know, they could be doing something else. They could be, you know, working in a bank. They could be, you know, a medical professional, doctor, lawyer, whatever the case might be. But the call of God is on their life, and, and they've been willing to come to communities like our native communities to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. They're Gentiles themselves, mm-hmm. but they bring the gospel to the Gentiles. To the other Gentiles. And, and I, you know, I yeah. think it might be just good for us right now to take just a, a, a brief moment just to say two words. Thank you. Thank you, mm-hmm. missionary. Thank you for coming. Maybe you don't hear that too much in the community you serve in. Maybe you're, you're facing the sneering and the opposition and the snickering. Uh, but I want you to know there's indigenous people like LaDonna and me who value and appreciate your sacrifice, your life given over to... I think of some people. 
you know, who comes to mind, pictures in my mind right now of, of a dear sister up in Canada in the isolated north who has been faithfully serving among a very uh, difficult community, a lot of pain and suffering in that community, and, and she is the light of the gospel. In the, she brings the light of the gospel <laughs> yes. a, a, to that community. And you know who you are if you're listening Yeah, right now. you know, Amen. just dear, dear friends mm-hmm. like this that... Mm-hmm. Have been willing Many to go. That are out there. It's something that does not slide past Ladon and I. We want to tell you how much we appreciate the service of those who have come to serve. We wouldn't be serving the Lord today had it not been for the missionaries who've come. In my case, my grandparents, you know, brought the gospel in that generation, and then uh, five generations now of our family have been impacted by the power of the gospel. <laughs> That's something to be thankful. And six in years, six yeah. Side. Yes. My goodness. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I thought those are a couple of things yeah. that just Amen. came to mind as I wanted to mm-hmm. comment on these things, LaDonna. And last but not least, is a great <clears throat> reminder that all of us from the Gentile world who are followers of Jesus Christ have been called by God to come to Christ. Mm-hmm. Not all indigenous people will be saved, but what a great honor and privilege is ours to call Christ our Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. What a great thing he has done in our lives as we found in him complete forgiveness, healing, and wholeness. We have eternal an eternal address secured in him. We're on our way to heaven, to paradise, to an eternity that is replaced an eternity in hell because we were without hope and without God in this world. May we never forget, Craig, Mm. how we handle these things in this world will determine our destiny and condition in the world to come. (laughs) Oh, just takes my breath away. These are such powerful truths, LaDonna. Thank you so much for articulating them so clearly to our listeners. I don't know what we would be doing or where we would be without Christ, but I know it wouldn't be a positive thing, that's for sure. Thank you for joining Craig and LaDonna Smith and the Indigenous Faith Podcast. We trust today's episode has been an encouragement to you and helpful to you as you grow in faith as a follower of Jesus Christ. You can subscribe to this weekly broadcast and receive notifications when the next episodes are available. Simply follow the prompts on the tribalrescue.com website or the podcast platform you're using to sign up today. Don't forget to visit the Smiths website, tribalrescue.com, to learn more about the Smiths and Tribal Rescue Ministries. Be sure to visit their online store, where you can find more indigenous faith resources, including Craig's six-part DVD video series, and his six-part audio CD version of the same teaching. Also, Craig takes you deeper into the scriptures in his recently released Indigenous Faith paperback book, which will help you learn the secrets to a strong indigenous faith. All these resources, and other great books authored by Craig and LaDonna, can be accessed at their online store when you visit tribalrescue.com. The Smiths are dependent on the financial support of those who are benefiting from their teaching, preaching, and music ministry. Craig and LaDonna would like to ask you to consider supporting this ministry through your online giving, which you can easily and safely do on the tribalrescue.com website as well. You can also make your gift recurring if you so desire. If you'd like to support Craig and LaDonna, it will help them keep this podcast on the air, help them produce more books and resources, and enable them to continue sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ among people groups around the world. We'll see you next week, dear friends, on another edition of the Indigenous Faith Podcast. Until then, may the Lord richly bless you as you live out your own God-honoring, and biblically-based, indigenous faith.